Well, good morning once again. Uh, I'm Joel. It's good to be with you today. And uh, well, yeah, it's Palm Sunday. We get to jump into this today, into the Word of God, and recognize that Jesus Christ is entering Jerusalem for the last time. And while it's a huge event, Jesus knew it was going to be his last time. It was also a, a mammoth step toward his death. And so there's a lot to process today. There's a lot to try to understand in a greater uh, way. And we're going to be jumping into Luke chapter 19 today. If you want to turn there, Luke chapter 19, you certainly can. I want to first call out to you, though, Matthew 21, uh, verse 4. In Matthew 21, verse 4, it's, it's calling out the prophecy in Zechariah 9, 9, but also um, in Psalm 61, uh, I'm sorry, Isaiah 62, 11. Isaiah 62, 11. Um, Matthew 21, 4 says, This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. This is prophecy from hundreds and hundreds of years prior, and it's about to unfold in front of the people. You're looking at well over 300 prophecies fulfilled from sometimes well over 1,000 years prior to those things happening, all coming to fruition exactly as told. And it's dumbfounding to me because I think sometimes we dismiss the power of that. And when Jesus Christ enters into Jerusalem for the very last time, he is going to fulfill in detail every prophecy from hundreds of years prior to the T. Sometimes I think it'd be harder to not believe in Jesus than to believe in Jesus when you actually look at the facts. When you really consider. But we don't want to sometimes because that will mess with us. And so today we're being, we're being given the opportunity to open up the doors of who Jesus Christ is. And know, know, that, that, know that this is very much the case. Especially during this time. I know that the, the number one week for guests to come to a church is on Easter. That's why you're all going to RSVP. Everybody raise your right hand. Put your left hand on the Bible. Say, I will. I heard no I wills. I heard laughter. Thank you. I ha- okay, we got, now we have five RSVPs. So um, just help us out with that. But I look at it and go, the, the power of coming to church, so even though all these people are coming, especially at Easter, is the fact that pr- when we come together corporately, it's primarily for the believer. I'm going to be hitting a lot of things today that's primarily for the believer. If we're living our lives as believers, as people who are Christians, every single day, our life will look different than the world. And so the people in the world are going, hey, why does your life look different? Why do you act different? Even if they don't like it, they're going to ask. We get to tell them. Holy Spirit then has an opportunity of speaking in, talking to those people, speaking to the heart. Often they come to know Jesus Christ. We hopefully get to be any type of, of conduit, any type of reflection of Jesus Christ. And so it's outside of this place that the majority of people should be coming to know Jesus Christ. Because you're telling people about Jesus Christ. So then on Sunday morning, we wake up and we all get to come together and go, hey, here's a bunch of people who came to know Jesus Christ. And we start filling the seats because we get to come together as his family, as his children, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And nothing can silence the praise that comes from this place to give glory to our Father. That's what it's supposed to be like. So go ahead and know right now, if your intention is to invite somebody to Easter to hear the gospel, that will happen. But that does not remove the responsibility God has given you to tell your friend about the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Amen. It's on you. So we get to unpack some events that occurred on Palm Sunday that are incredibly impactful for the believer if we truly absorb them. And that's why I was praying earlier in the service that our minds, our hearts, our ears, everything would be open to who he is. And so we get to do this from Luke chapter 19, um, 28 through 41. Luke chapter 19, 28 through uh, 41. And so will you please stand for the reading of the word of God. If you are new here, if you're in the gym, I expect you to do the same thing. Um, and by the way, our, the gym is full right now. Did you know we ran out of seats? So we have new seats right now sitting somewhere in the Pacific. <laughs> right? We ran out of seats, so we've had to order more. Isn't that an amen? Praise God, right? And if you need to start sitting on the floor, sit on the floor. We don't care. If you can't be just uh, uncomfortable for an hour, our, our praise isn't to the right place anyway. Right? Um, but even if you're in the gym, the gym is full right now, I just found out. So I ran out of chairs again. Um, but even if you're in the gym, I need you to call this out because this is the word of God and we want to declare it and shout it out together um, because we get to do that as brothers and sisters in Christ. So if I raise my hand, you call out that word at least once or twice, I'm going to mess something up. So just know that. Okay. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to. And when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that is called, called Olivet, he sent two of his saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet set. Now remember, real quick, um, prophecy, Zechariah 9.9. We already have seen this. Isaiah 62, verse 11. Prophecy coming to fruition. Amazing to see. Right? So on which no one has ever said, untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and found it just as he told him them. And as they were the colt, its owner said to them, why are you the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their on the they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their on the road. As he was drawing near, already, all, all, already on the way down to the Mount of Olives, the whole of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all, saying, Say that again. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. This is the word of God. You may be seated. So Jesus Christ, he knew what was going on. Everybody's paying attention right now because of some of the miracles that have already been occurring and taking place. In fact, we know in John chapter 12, right before this, um, Jesus had just brought Lazarus to life from death and called him out. So that had already gone viral in many ways. 
truly, like today's version of it had gone, like everybody was talking about this. Here comes Jesus into Jerusalem for the very last time, and it's just an epic opportunity for everybody to come and to go, wow, that guy just brought somebody out from the dead, and what's going on? This is that Jesus guy who kept doing all these miracles and, and took bread and fish and fed thousands of people, and he healed the blind and the lame, and he even hung out and walked through Samaria with the lepers and all these different things, and look at what he's done. We've got to catch a glimpse of this guy this is what's unfolding and he knows this is his last time entering into jerusalem and he needs to make arrangements now we all make arrangements right anybody go on vacation for this last spring break anybody go out of town you i saw all of you in florida and i'm like wow we we really do i think we need a chapel point in florida and i will pastor that church january and february um <laughs> do i hear a hallelujah Okay, one. All right, I got one vote. Um, so we're, we're looking at all this, and we make arrangements for trips. Now, my wife and I, we, we prepare for trips differently. She starts about three days prior. She gets the suitcases out, right? And then she makes sure everything, and she just starts packing very slowly, methodically. She does her thing. You saw her before, awesome woman, and she does her thing. And I start, they let me know when the plane flight is, and um, I tell them when we're going to leave. About 12 minutes before that, I get my backpack out. Right? We all make arrangements and prepare differently. What we need to do, though, is we need right now to be preparing for what's going to start right now with Holy Week. I know that if you're a believer, maybe you've walked through Holy Week before, but I want this year needs to be different. This year needs to be different. I need you to prepare yourselves, your heart and your mind, for what Christ is about to do. And I need you to start making some arrangements, which means you might need to cancel some things on your calendar this week. Which means that you might need to have some conversations that are going to make you uncomfortable this week. Because what Christ does is that significant. And so here he is. He's making arrangements, making preparation. And so he sends two of his disciples ahead. Go get this colt. And yes, Jesus had been to Jerusalem many, many times before. But this is something special about this journey. And everything needed to be ready and prepared. And we need to be prepared as well. And here's why, because when Jesus Christ steps into your life, because we're sinners, you're a sinner, yes? You are a sinner. Because we're sinners, when the perfect Lamb of God, without blemish, without stain, steps into our lives, it can be abrasive. It can feel yucky. It's that whole conviction thing. It's like, get off of me. Like, just let me be. Like, I want your love and I want your grace and your joy and your support. But can you not be quite so intrusive? But when Jesus Christ steps into our life, it's a hard thing to process. When confronted with a Savior, there's a fierce collision. There's a collision that takes place when a Savior steps into the life of a sinner. And that's what we see happening. It can be abrasive. It can cause friction in every aspect of our lives. It magnifies the dark of our lives. And even the few bright bright spots that we have had previously, they can be diminished. Everything ends up changing because of Jesus Christ stepping into our lives. So we have to understand this. You should not leave the same as when you entered 
Because every time we come together with brothers and sisters in Christ, we should be encouraged. We should grow in our understanding of who Christ is. We should relinquish more of our sinful self so that we can step into the fullness of who Jesus is. So that we can become a greater reflection and emulator of Jesus. That's what we get to do. So here he comes, sends his disciples ahead and says, go get this colt. And then five times... This stood out to me for years and years. I remember years ago, I was like, man, he keeps saying, untie the colt, untie it, untie it. says it five times in this passage, untie the colt, untie the donkey, bring it to me. So he untie, they untie it. They found it exactly as Jesus said it was going to be. The owner's like, yo, what's up? You got my colt. Uh, back then, maybe, let's just think for a moment about the colt being a car. Like that was a mode of transformation, uh, transportation uh, of being able to, to take one thing to another place, maybe, and loading that donkey, that colt up. And that's what they were doing. And so all of a sudden, imagine somebody stepping into your driveway and they grab your car and you're like, hold up, you're taking my car. And their response is simply this. I'm going to try this to some of you. I'm going to see what your response is. I'm going to step into your driveway, and if any of you has a new Ford Bronco or a really nice Jeep, I'll come to your house first. Um, and I'm going to step into, and I'm going to take your car, and you're going to go, what are you doing? I'm going to say, the Lord has need of it. And then they took it. This is, this is amazing to me. For us to even process today's passage, because there's so much here, I'm going to invite you to think about it in three things. Ropes, you can jot it down if you need to, all right? Ropes, cloaks, and stones. And you're going to, I just want you to remember it. That's why we're doing this. And I I brought the rope out because I think it shows us that all of a sudden, here's this colt, this donkey that's tied, and they go, go, go untie it. Why do they need to go and tie it? Because the Lord has need of it. One of the reasons our hearts have not been um, fully transformed the way we really just want to be fully sold out and abandoned to Jesus and we want to declare his greatness is because our hearts often are still tied to other things. And the Lord has need of that. You may have a skill or a talent, and you don't, you don't really use it for the kingdom. You use it for your own betterment only, and that's all that you do with it, Right? You have something in your life that's ho- that you're holding on to. And the Lord's going, we know the Lord doesn't need us in terms of, he's going to do, God's going to do God. Yes? God's going to do God regardless. But he desires to use you. You're his child and he wants to use you. He wants to use you to be a voice for his greatness, a voice for his glory, to help people understand who he is. But yet some of us aren't really doing it because, man, we're still tied to some other things in our life. And we need to think about these ropes that were the, the, the things that tether us to these things that are keeping us from fully being used by God, knowing who he is. Because here he comes, he rode, he rode in on a humble animal into Jerusalem, right? And we know that in biblical times it was common for a king, um, a, a, a prince of peace to ride in on a donkey, a colt, not the big horse, the sword, and it was one of the struggles the donkey was a struggle for some. Many of the admirers of Jesus, here's why they struggled. is because they had a different expectation for Jesus than Jesus was providing. They wanted freedom from Rome, right? Rome had a big, fat, heavy thumb on top of them. 
They wanted freedom from Rome or maybe from the religious elite who always was just condemning and making sure they followed every rule and every practice rather than giving their hearts to Christ. So here's Jesus riding in on this donkey that symbolized peace. And a lot of the people wanted an uprising that would destroy everything else. And so here comes Christ. And right away, he starts to challenge us. Here's a simple way to think about Palm Sunday and why we can sometimes struggle with it. Palm Sunday was the triumph of humility over pride. And yet we struggle with humility. We want to make sure, even as children, that mom and dad see everything that we do and tell us how great we are. You know what that does? It's not just encouragement. We've, we've gone from encouragement to just tell them how amazing they are so that when they fail, they don't know how to process it. So now we just tell them that they don't fail. That was just their decision. So now we're not sinners. We just made a, a slight mistake. Do you see this downward trickle, right? We... we we fell at humility. We love pride. And yet Palm Sunday was the triumph of humility over pride. It was the triumph of heavenly worth over worldly pleasure, influence over affluence, right? That's what it was. And the people struggled with this, especially seeing Jesus ride in on a donkey. And they're going, hey, I need you to go untie this. First thing I want you to think about today is what are you needing to release to Jesus Christ that's keeping you from fully being present with him, allowing him to step into who you are? Does that which you desire from Jesus, this is part of that struggle, does that which you desire from Jesus line up with that what Jesus offers? So I want to say this as many times as I can, as clear as I can. There are so many people today, we're in a tumultuous relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're one bad event away from no longer saying that we believe. I mean, how many times have we heard this story? Well, Jesus didn't save my, my mom, or this bad thing happened, or I'm going through all this. So why do bad things happen to good people? Bad things happen to good people because of sin. That's on us, not God. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be mean. But the majority of people who claim Christ are one bad event away from stepping away from Christ because we desire something from Jesus that Jesus never promised. Jesus promised eternal peace and security, resting at the heavenly Father's feet, giving praise and glory to him forever and ever and ever. Not to make sure you get everything you want in a broken, fallen world. Are you there with me? You hear me? You need to get this. This is why we suck at celebrating the resurrection of Jesus because we think the resurrection of Jesus is about giving us our desires rather than recognizing that our life is to give glory to him even if things here are hard. In fact, when things are hard and they're difficult and things seem to be beating us down and we still reflect his peace and love and joy and comfort, that is our greatest testimony for the world to see that the light of Jesus is greater than the darkness of Satan. We've got to get this. And this is why they're going to struggle. This is why we're about to have a bunch of people. The crowd's going, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then Jesus walks in. Verse 41, Luke chapter 19. He walks in. He sees, he sees Jerusalem. And he does what? He weeps over the city. Wait a second. He can still hear the chants, Hosanna, which literally means save us now. 
Save us now, save now, save now, save us, save us. Yes, he can hear these chants, and yet you would think that he's like, like if I, I was in that situation and I can hear all the chants, I'd be like, oh yeah, right? Jesus walks in, he sees Jerusalem, and he weeps. Why? Because the people's desire didn't line up with who he was. Does your desire of Jesus line up with who he is? You've got to process this. This is why, very broadly speaking, I know I'm speaking broadly in some regards here, but this is why so many people struggle. And so when you think about ropes, I want you to think about what are you tied to that's keeping you from fully understanding what was taking place? Are you willing to release everything in your life so that he can have control over it? And if you're tied to something other than Christ, Jesus will always be out of reach. What do you need to untie because the Lord has need of it. Some of you, it's calendar, right? We're like, we're just, I hear all the time, well, I'm too busy to, to be in a small group of accountability. I'm too busy to really come as much as I want. I'm too busy. You will make time for what you want to make time for. What that means is you need to untie your calendar and give it to Jesus. Some of you need to start saying no to, if you don't have time to grow daily in your relationship, to jump into the word, to jump into prayer, if you don't have time, and I'm not talking about three minutes, that's a good starting point for about a week, then let's go. If you don't have time, you need to start, I'm going to simplify this as much as I can. You need to stop, you need to start saying no to some other things. Because it's a matter of what you give value to. And there is nothing of greater value than Jesus. There is nothing of greater value than the resurrection of Christ kicking death in the teeth, right? That's what we always say. He demolished death. He gave us victory. There is nothing of greater value. And so if you don't have time for that, start saying no to things of lesser value. And if you actually don't think that those things have lesser value, pray that God would take hold of your heart because your heart has given itself to the wrong things. Some of you need to start untying your children because I do, yes, one of the greatest idols in America today are our kids. My kids are another weapon for Jesus Christ to use to promote his glory. Let's go. Some of you need to untie finances, your resources, your skills, your talents. What do you need to untie? Because the Lord has need of it. He wants to use it. He doesn't have to, but he wants to use it. And just process that for a moment. Process what that is that God is wanting you to release to him. It reminds me of Hebrews, right? Are you holding fast to that Jesus? That's what we've been preaching through this year. Another thing I want you to recognize in this passage. So yes, they untied the colt. And then in verse 35, 36, he says, they brought it to Jesus. That's the colt. They brought the colt to Jesus. 
And they threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. So I told you ropes, cloaks, stones. I want you to think about cloaks here for a moment. The reason they immediately put the cloak on the donkey is because, they one, um, that would have been a place of just showing some honor, some respect. Also, um, the colt would have been dirty, and they wanted Jesus to be able to sit on it, and it was just showing respect. Now, they, they also started throwing palm branches and cloaks on the ground so he would walk on that. Now, he was already dusty and dirty, right? They didn't have asphalt and concrete and all this kind of stuff. It was about respect. It was about going, hey, we, we want to show him a place of honor. Do we need to recognize that we need to give Jesus a greater place of honor in our own life by maybe cleaning up some things? By taking the cloaks and going, man, I've invited Jesus into everything, but this aspect of my life over here, I've kind of kept to myself, but I need to invite Jesus in, and I need to throw that out there so Jesus can have his way, and I want to give him honor to step into all of my life, not just a portion of my life, not just a part of my life, but to step into all of my life. And so we take the cloaks and we, we throw them out there because the crowd was honoring Jesus and praising God for sending this king into Jerusalem. That's why they threw the cloaks out. That's why they were calling out Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the idea of this this victorious conquering king entering a city, it was well known in that time. And they're declaring and shouting Hosanna. They're hailing Christ as king is what they're doing. That's why um, Psalm, Psalm 118 Verse 26, you can write that down. Psalm 118, verse 26. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's what it says. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're just, that's what they were accustomed to. But they didn't recognize the king that he really was. They learned the right language. They never processed who he was with their heart. I think that's the problem with a lot of people in church today. We've learned the right language. We know what to say. But we've never really said, you know what? Take all of me. We, we've never stepped in in that manner. So maybe you need to untie something with the rope. Maybe you need to throw a cloak out to show respect for who Christ is and to understand what that is for him to step into all of your life. And you've got some cleaning up to do of your own house. But then it continues. It says, when he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, this is 37 through 40. It says, the whole crowd of disciples. Now, there's a crowd at this point. There are thousands of people praising God and testifying to his greatness, yet we know at his death there's roughly 120 believers, and that's it. Why? Because they were cheering him on for the wrong reason. You're going to learn about that. Right? I'm curious to know when the suffering gets really bad here, Knowing how many people are, cruci- are, are literally, some of them are put to death daily. Just so many people around the world right now because of the faith in Jesus Christ. Really bad in different nations. India, persecution right now is horrific. Right? All these different things. Would all of us still be in this room? 
if we knew that they were waiting outside and they would probably, we would lose our job, would we still be in this room? That's happening to where if they find out you're a Christian, they're probably going to take your children. That's happening in the world. Would you still profess Jesus as Lord? Or would you say, no, I mean, I'm going to believe, but just to myself. When it also tells us, if that's your posture, Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So here what we find is, he comes down the road. The whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. They were praising him for all that they had seen him do. Remember what had just gone viral. The raising of, yes, the raising of Lazarus. So that has just gone viral. That's all over the place. They're praising him for the 5,000 people that he saw feed with some fish and some bread and for the lame walking and the lepers and going into Samaria and all these different places, right? We, we, we speak about that already, and I go, wait a second. Why are they praising him? Because of the miracles that they had seen. They were praising him for what they had seen Jesus do because they were hoping that they could have that as well. And so they're calling out what they knew to call out and from Psalms and, and other places. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory in the highest. And the Pharisees, the religious elite, that's a better way of really even saying this. They didn't like this. They're like, they, they come to Jesus and like, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Rebuke them. He says, I tell you, he replied. I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Now, this is something I, I really want to strongly evaluate on behalf of all of us. First thing you have to know about stones is this, and, and, and the people praising God. The crowds, they praised God for what they had seen him do, for all the miracles. That's why they were praising him. Some of you are praising God because of what you... You want him to do for you, and you're waiting for him to do it. The stones would cry out because of who they knew him to be. Do you see the difference, yes or no? The people, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Oh, you're so great. Knowing there's only 120 left. And he walked into Jerusalem for the very last time and he wept. Why? Because he knew that they were worshiping him and praising him and glorifying his name for the wrong reason, for what he would do. And he didn't come to meet your desire. He came to meet your need of salvation, of redemption, of renewal, of having a payment of the sin in your life because something had to pay for the sin a consequence of the sin in your life and so he came to do that and the people he knew they were just like oh yeah but when things got hard when things got hard they took off and tucked tail and ran 
because their faith wasn't genuine. But all of creation, it tells us, the stones represent creation. It tells us in so many different passages that all of creation would praise God. Psalm 148, 7 through 13, it says, The trees and the hills, the oceans, the rivers, the mountains, the valleys, the cattle, creeping things, birds, fields, everything, all of creation will give praise to God. Friends, it may not be from your voice, but Jesus will receive praise. The question we have to ask is, will the praise be from our lips even when things get hard? Because right now they're not hard, and many of us are too embarrassed to mention the name of Jesus when we're in public. How dare us claim his name yet not share his name? How dare us claim victory in Christ over death yet not let people know the source of that life that we claim over death? We should be embarrassed of ourselves. To not mention the name of Jesus. Let Holy Spirit do the rest. To not tell people of the glorious deeds that he has done, the marvelous things that he has done, yes, but also who he is as the son of the heavenly father, the perfect lamb of God, no blemish, no defect, without fault. That is Jesus. That is my God. That is my Savior. That is my Lord. And he conquered death for you and for me. May we not be silent anymore because even the stones will cry out. Do we understand this? That's why I'm so wrecked by always just understanding what Christ has done for me and in me. And it is, a, it is that transformation being a continual process, always recognizing there's more to learn and to, to grasp when it comes to the greatness of what Christ did. When Jesus is so present in your life, it changes you constantly. You, you should tell all your friends, just ask yourself, what's changed in the last six months of your life because of the presence of Jesus in your life? You should be able to answer that. I talk about all the time freely here. One of the things that's changed in my life is a lot of the stress has melted off of me. Look, I, I grew up in a way, you just had to work. I mean, I literally remember 17, by 17, I'm getting in the car every day, 6 a.m., driving to a, a job for Nabisco, and a lot of times I'm off 6 or 7 that night, working crazy hours, driving six to 800 miles a week because I was so determined to not have any school debt or anything else. And I, just the way I was raised, you work hard. You don't go, whoa, it's me, this is hard. You go, wow, I can grow in this, I guess. Man, if I can learn to do this, think about what I can do next time. We need some more of that, amen. And I was raised just to do, like, just to work hard, but what I've recognized is all I need to be is faithful, and guess what? Jesus is going to do a whole bunch better than I am anyway. Now I know you're going to say amen, amen? And he's going to do a lot better than you can do anyway. And so you just surrender in full entirety to Jesus Christ. And you say, God, whatever you want, I'm willing to do. And I'm just going to serve you faithfully. I'm going to let the result be up to you. I'm just your servant. I'm your child. Let's go. And then it tells us. 
says, teacher, rebuke your disciples. He said, I'll tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. If someone's opinion of you can keep you from praising God, you're no different than the people that would soon step away from him. And so when he drew near, the chants still in the background, he saw the city, he wept over. because he knew the people didn't get it. Do you get it? Do you get it? Do you get What Jesus Christ stepping into the picture really means for you. Because as a result of his willingness to step into Jerusalem for the last time. He was then beaten and flogged and betrayed by one of his dearest friends. Denied by another one of his friends. He was whipped and sped upon. And then crucified. Which really means that he was, his chest was crushed to the place of not being able to breathe anymore. And he did that for you. Do you get it? And if he has to keep meeting your worldly desires in order for your lips to give him praise, the stones are better than you. Because they worshiped him and praised him, not for what he would continually do for them, but because of who he was as the son of God. Will you cry out and praise the name of Jesus? No matter what. Will you worship him and declare his goodness? No matter what. Will you be as the stones and the trees and the hills and the valleys and declare his glory? No matter what. I pray that we're not one of the people that Christ is weeping for. God, I come before you in the name of Jesus Christ. I worship you celebrate you God uh, forgive us
for when we grow silent. God, open our hearts to fully grasp the greatness of who you are. You are Lord Most High. May we know what we need to untie in our life that we are holding fast to, that we should be releasing to you. May we know the cloaks that we need to spread. May we choose to be the stones and cry out to you for who you are. May nothing silence our praise. May our praise and our worship just grow more and more. May our worship tomorrow be greater than it is today. May our worship continue to grow because we recognize our need of a Savior. May our worship of you grow because we know that you've done everything that you need to do to take the full entirety of the death that we deserve, put it on your shoulders, carry it, kick it in the teeth, and to raise yourself to life on a new day. May we worship you. May we give glory to you. May we use our voices to exalt you. No matter what the world says, God, we will worship you. We will praise you. In Christ's name, amen.